Hey everybody, welcome back to uh, another installation of Terminus Prime. Uh, I am the death metal guy nursing a, uh, a possibly life-threatening hangover after our monumental recording session yesterday. <laughs> and I am the black metal guy moving in slow motion after our monumental uh, recording session yesterday. Yeah, so uh, you know, I have one of those pleasant, lightheaded hangovers that just makes me semi-functional, but it's not inflicting anything on me. Oh, no, I did. I was, like, full-fledged, yeah. like, I did the puke oh. the next day thing, which is always a oh, sign that's man, like, no, you... Yeah. <laughs> no, you, 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 you fired the nuclear hammer, man. You, <laughs> oh, uh, you were... By the end of... Yeah, no, last night we did a great interview with Oldowan Gash, and by the end of it, the death metal guy was, uh... Um... Definitely uh, in high spirits. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love how that interview. I'm gonna have to do so much editing because the night just kind of descends into chaos as we get. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty drunk by the end of it too, and I'm kind of like, we've already done, we've already recorded the re regular episode before that, so there are moments when we're both like, all right, questions, questions, uh, yeah, interview, um, <laughs> but. Despite that, I think we're we're pretty happy with how it came out. And, yeah, uh, it did. It, it was really good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so. forlorn spirits, a fucking cool dude. So yeah, he is. And uh, so it's like I'm hammered. You're you're hammered. Your girlfriend is hammered, screaming in the background at us. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 indeed. It was so good. So anyway, for that was um, epic. yeah, for today's episode, we're kind of going back into. Um, I don't know. I called this like second tier trench wave second tier <laughs> trench wave Tren trench wave is kind of a good term Ooh, that's a catchy term we gotta use that trench yeah. wave for like after the second wave of black metal when it was getting very trench coat but uh, mm -hmm. second tier trench coat like supposed classics so we brought out a couple records that I think are a good match because they're both like yes in a sense, classic black metal bands that nobody really seems to actually listen to, you know? Both of which were mentioned a lot more when we were coming up in yeah. the early 2000s and mid-2000s. I mean, by 2010, not so much even, but I know when I was getting into it, people still talked about um, Car Na Impaled Nazarene somewhat, although they were seen as kind of a Definitely seen as kind of a novelty act. Um, and Carpathian Forest was mentioned more in connection with the second wave. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the records we're looking at is we got uh, Impaled Nazarene, Suomi, Finland, Perkele, and uh, we've mm. got Carpathian Forest, Shining Black Leather, um, which I guess are, are kind of like the definitive records by both bands in a way. I mean, as far as you can say, mm -hmm. Carpathian Forest has a definitive record. Um, and Impaled Nazarene, obviously a there, whole bunch of great early records, but that's like the one that people always talk yeah, about. It, it seems like maybe for both of these bands, these are the records that have the different aspects they're known for. Like, does that yeah. make sense? Like, Suomi, Finland, Percolet might be the most, as far as I know, might be the most kind of second wave black metal-y sounding or pagan black metal-y sounding thing they ever wrote. And yeah, Carpath yeah. and Black Shining Leather has this sort of uh, the beginnings of this um, kind of dumb black and roll thing they did, but also has all this gothy foresty stuff left over in it. Yeah, from their earlier stuff. They're you both know. transitional records in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. 
because mm-hmm. because uh, uh, you know Suomi Finland Perkley is where Impaled Nazarene is really like fully defining the like punk black sound that they would be known mm-hmm. for. And uh, oh, I see. Yeah, got it. Yeah, and then Black Shining Leather is them transitioning from what was basically straightforward kind of foresty black metal in their early career to this like S and M themed trench coat shit that they'd be known for later. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, just, uh, two bands that, but yeah, like you were saying, um, these are bands that were talked about a lot when we were getting into black metal and now are just sort of forgotten, even though they still have this like verging on classic status. And, uh, mm-hmm. obviously there's one that we like much more than the other, <laughs> which is of course, and I bet <laughs> experienced Terminus listeners can guess which it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about with both, and um, I think we've we both heard Suomi Finland Perkalay, but we haven't revisited in years and years, and mm-hmm. neither of us I don't think have heard Black Shining Leather all the way through. Um, oh God, no. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean I, I'm not sure I ever listened to all of Suomi Finland Perkalay back in the day. What I think I did was I went back to it. Uh, a year or two ago, probably a year ago, when I realized, oh, I forgot about this band. I bet I'd really like this now. Mm-hmm. And I went back to it and listened to it just enough to be like, oh, yes, this is very good. And then I <laughs> kept forgetting to go back to it. Um, so with that in, let's uh, let's uh, let's open up with Impaled Nazarene. So I've been a, oh, a I've been a big fan with big fan of Imp Naz for a lot of years now. You know, when I first started getting into Black Metal mm-hmm. as a kid, I discovered them pretty quickly, and I really enjoyed it. And it's super interesting going back, because the reality is, as much as I like them, I probably haven't listened to a full Imp Naz record in years and years. Because mm-hmm. they really are something of a singles band, you know? They mm-hmm. they never really made very... Com- Music for men who will remain single. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> they, they never really did a... But they never really did albums that felt like albums, you know? They're collections of yeah. cool songs, and that's super well, and clear here. Given the nature of the music, it just is this kind of uh, high-octane, primary color, often kind of sugary, but also extraordinarily aggressive, very loud, in-your-face, blasting black metal, where it's like, how long can you listen to this for, right? It's a... Uh, uh, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's like consuming kind of an any test. more than a, yeah. Consuming, I would say, you could possibly do something like this that would last forty-five minutes, but you'd have to have like a slow number in the middle, and you could never go any further than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, I think it's, a half hour is the ideal length for this. It probably is. And I, I mean, I would say that this album, I really like this album. It's almost too long at half an hour. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I think so, but I think I agree. I think, yeah, yeah. So we could, we could get into that now. I think you you said something in the notes about that. What's your take about the length? This is so. This is exactly thirty minutes. This is thirty oh eight. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that might be the ideal time frame for an impaled Nazarene record. Uh, well, what makes it feel long to you? I don't know that it feels long, but the reality is we're dealing with a a record that has probably one and a half ideas on it and it's an amazing (laughs) it's an outstanding one and a half ideas but if if the name of the game for you is variation and subtlety and uh 
like even like writing songs <laughs> it's not really no it's not no, really yeah. about that if if you like i think this one is probably easier to digest if you actually really like hardcore you know your average yeah. real black metal and death metal guy has some hardcore that they like but if you spend a lot of time listening to hardcore this will just make sense to you and will come off as more probably more varied than a lot of hardcore records but still you wouldn't want i mean you wouldn't want you can listen through hear nothing see nothing say nothing with the bonus tracks from the related singles or whatever and that's probably about a half hour or 40 minutes maybe if you listen through all of them but um you know that's the greatest hardcore band of all time Uh, yeah and uh it's and and it's supposed to be this kind of just (laughs) homogenous thing that you're just immersed in um, as far as high speed battering, you really, you know, with that kind of thing, you, you want like 20 minutes of full record, right? Yeah. And so this is, to me, what I like about this is that it has that hardcore record compression quality, mm-hmm. but, and although it's only got 1.5 ideas in terms of a sound, which yeah. we'll get into now, I feel like each of these tracks has its own little thing that it does. Yeah. It's, Maybe a couple of them do the same thing. But they've all got, you could pretty much go through and name the cool thing that happens on each one. Yeah. And even when there's, yeah, you know what I mean? Well, I think, um, well, yeah, a couple things. One, Which is different from most hardcore records, right? Even the great ones. So you can see, you can tell very quickly that these are songs that are organized around like a single riff or a single idea. And then the rest Mm -hmm, of the song mm -hmm. has been written around that idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very like jamming out in your rehearsal room style of songwriting. These are not p- songs that are plotted out. You know what I mean? There's no fucking arc. And a lot of the time, a lot and of the cases, the songs just end. Like they just oh, stop. clicking through Steel Vagina. I was like clicking through Steel Vagina. I was like, I think it has like definitely a A B A B, possibly A B A B A B repetition on the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, It has a, it has something that if you stretched it out to black metal lengths or even slower hardcore lengths, it would sound kind of plotting. Mm -hmm. It's like okay, and we're back to the other riff. But because they're playing it so damn fast, it's just like okay, cool. It's like great. I get to hear that cool riff again. All right, awesome. Well, uh, and then thing, before you know it, it changes. Well, right? one thing I wanted uh-huh. to say though is you know you're describing this as like you know having this hardcore energy, which is obviously true, but ultimately is it hardcore or is it like kind of skate punk? Because there's a lot of songs on here that could be on a a heavy metal version of a Tony Hawk game soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like, well, you know, the skate punk thing is one of your one of your old one of your troll references. Um, I, I mean, it's I not think... like a troll reference because I like a lot of that stuff, and uh, I I would really argue that some of the stuff on here, like half of these songs are essentially punk songs in a way. Oh well, sure. Why don't what it is? I think it is coming from hardcore, especially just the the drumming. You know, the drumming, okay, the yeah. tempos, the uh, and the more aggressive riffing on here. I think what's happening, what's producing the skate punk feel, is that some of the same influences are in play. Like a while ago, I showed you GBH, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You liked a lot, right? Yeah. So there's this whole more melodic side of UK82, mm-hmm. and this whole phenomenon of what happens when you like really brutal hardcore, but also, uh, you know, for what produces GBH is they like Discharge and... Um, 
Sham 69 and Coxbarer, who are these kind okay. of very melodic oi bands. Okay, right? I, can, I can get and that. So, yeah. So I, I've got a good sample for that later on, but maybe we should play the people some stuff. Well, yeah, um, let's... Um, and then we'll... Uh, like, because uh, I... But, oh, but skate punk, basically. Skate punk, you could say, comes out of that same... Yeah, thing, okay. Basically is what so I've got one from Blood is Thicker Than Water, but let's... Um, mm-hmm. Do we want to do your first one or my second? Because both of those are going to be much more on that punky side. Um, so we can kind of explore that a little more. Oh, we could we could lead with that. Yeah, I mean, since we started, this would be the counterintuitive way to do it. But since we started with the sort of... Yeah, so like just for the people to say, a lot of this sounds like very melodic, but extremely high energy ripping hardcore or yeah. or skate punk that's way or skate punk on meth is yeah. also I think a fair characterization definitely so um why don't we start with uh your punky sample uh, yeah so, and uh, then we'll or and then i'll bring in my sample okay yeah. cool so yeah let's we're actually just going to listen to the entirety of ghetto blast <laughs> since it's a uh, a two-minute song and it's an impaled nazarene classic that they always play live so let's just uh run through this one real quick Oh god, it's so sick. <laughs> yeah. No, that is Dude, I I need to go so... to the skate park and practice fucking tray flips while blasting that on my uh iPod mini from uh 2000. I need to go to the skate park and look for drugs. <laughs> we had different high school so, um, experiences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> 
No, that was a weird loner. But uh, no, go to yeah, go to the this 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 to me is like you go to this. You're the guy who goes to the skate park with all your friends, but you're just looking for speed. It's, um, <laughs> this is, um, it's like oh yeah, he's part of our crew, but he mostly just tries to buy speed and gets in fights. Um, <laughs> um, but but the end of uh yeah, he can't skate. <laughs> and, and I love so that's a two riff song. There's two riffs on that fucking song. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. are, as I said, the sort of platonic ideal of the perfect pop punk riffs, in a sense, you know? Yeah, there. I mean, those definitely, you can hear the connection to skate punk and stuff. Um, and what we were saying during the, while we were listening was, it really, if you want sort of skate punk that has kind of extreme coiled intensity and sounds really like it's coming from hardcore, Pennywise is the band. Um, who are a great band who... I, I, I'm going to guess that there's probably a lot of people who listen to our show who probably have stayed away have from never. that kind of stuff. Don't ignore that. Pennywise is fucking great. A lot of that yeah. sort of aggressive skate punk stuff is really great music, and you should listen to it. Yeah, so for, for people, it's like basically, like, if you think the vocals are a little whiny sounding, that's fine, because you listen to metal. But, like, honestly, as far as pop punk goes, it's nothing like Blake What Do Do. The vocals are kind of like the offspring, who I'm sure you've heard. Yeah. Uh, and that's the only really, like, thing that would mark it out. The, the riffs have melodies built. The guitarist is so good. A mm-hmm. lot of those old bands. The guitarist is so good. I mean, do you want to just play a quick Pennywise song? Fuck it, yeah, let's it's play like, a fucking Pennywise song. Let's, um, the, uh, just like, not a whole one, but like a quick clip. Basically, with them and with AFI, pre-sellout, the rhythm, this whole style of Cali melodic hardcore, they would mm-hmm. call it. Yeah. Um, uh, they, or skate punk, right? The rhythm guitar and the drummer are so good in both cases that uh, the rhythm guitarist is following chord changes under the vocals, yeah. but he's writing a new riff in each root chord, right? So it's it's yeah. power chord inst- where like a discharge song or a negative approach song for the most part, aside from their more rocky stuff, or a Misfits hardcore song is uh, not going to change the root note. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, uh, they're sort of this D-beats, aggressive, hyper-speed D-beat style hardcore riffing that's following the vocal melodies or that's like providing a bass for the vocal melodies, which if you actually, a lot of the kids who listen to that pop-punk stuff don't even, they, they can't hear what's going on there. Yeah, they just listen yeah. to the general sound of it. But if you're listening to the riffing there, these are incredibly like sort of tight, cool riffs happening yeah. on, under the uh so, riffing. Um, so yeah. what's a good uh what's a good uh pennywise song to just yeah, it's uh, been you know, it's been years man oh i was also saying to you uh, on the uh while we were while we were talking about full circles the good one let me see where i can find it's um talking about how like the uh i really want to do a black metal cover of uh bro him which would <laughs> end up sounding like impaled nazarene um, well, Brohim, but uh, Bro, I mean, Brohim's a classic. We could do that one. No, yeah, true. I okay. mean, well, no, I think Brohim doesn't quite have the speed. I want. Let's yeah, do fight yeah. till you die. Okay, I think beginning to fight till you die. Yeah, sounds good. So let's just uh, zero. Let's just run that real quick. Yeah, listen to the rhythm riffing. Look out of them to 
Yeah, so that's that's fucking sick, man. And well, fucking I mean, WTO riot, man. I mean, now we're, uh... <laughs> well, I, I guess it's kind of interesting because there's a whole discussion to have uh, about um, a lot of the stuff that I'm identifying as Cali skate punk type shit. But you know, it's like it's because I, I think that I don't think it's only my fault. I think this whole kind of melodic wing of classic mm-hmm. punk is sort of ignored. Mm-hmm. You know. Because we, we, you know, we're, we're yeah. so absorbed with just, like, the very extreme raw stuff. But there's always been this melodic legacy in punk music. Yeah, and it's something that, you know, I think it's something that metalheads tend to ignore. And it's something that uh, the cool guys in punk have always... Uh, real punks have almost always just poo-pooed this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it... Uh, uh, as much as it was massively influential in the early 90s, and that the people playing in these bands were real punks. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we were talking on air about how, like, nobody is ever going to ask the guy from AFI or the, the guitarist from Pennywise about, you know, the kind of people who were interviewing these guys in mainstream publications or whatever. We're never going to ask them about Discharge or yeah or GBH or whatever, right? Um well, and so, so, yeah, and I... Yeah, what were you going to say? Well, I was just kind of curious. Um, th- this whole kind of melodic legacy of punk... Um, well, well, actually, more specifically, getting back to Impnaz, I get this sense that... And this is kind of like a reach, I guess, but there's something about this where it feels like they don't actually listen to that much punk. Like, they, they hear melodic ideas that they really enjoy, but you get the sense of a heavy metal band imitating it, which is usually a terrible thing, but in this case it really works. Does that, like, does that, like, track to you? Like the skate punk thing, I think it's a reach that is worthwhile. I think it makes, I think it makes, I think the point you're making makes sense. What I I thought about, I saw that in the notes, and I thought about how I'd answer it. It's, I think they really do like punk, but I think they don't like punks. Ah, right? okay. I, I, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole... Think about it, right? The whole kind of person who likes kind of extremely punked out black metal or whatever is a different, culturally, a different kind of person from the kind of person who's dominated the hardcore scene for Definitely, a long time. Yeah. Uh, and in some sense is a little bit closer to kind of like hell-raising skate punk lunkheads in the early 90s. But um, So it's the, it's, the, it's the Finnish answer to Jism's uh, punks as hippies, you know? <laughs> basically, yeah. So you could construct a whole, if the mainstream, there are some of these bands are in common, right? So if you wanted to construct a, a metal, a black metal hooligans history of punk, right? Yeah. It would be... 
contain maybe some of the same bands as the canonical history of punk, but it's different. So maybe we say, <laughs> but what else would it include? Uh, well, things like GBH that are seen as a little poppier, um, right? Which is, I'll get into it in a sec. It would include for sure the Misfits. Uh, you would also include Negative Approach, who had this oi sound. You'd include the oi bands themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Cox, Barber, uh, Sham 69, bunch of oi bands that I probably don't know. Um, and uh, Motorhead, for sure. Definitely. Uh, oh, there's and, Motorhead all over, Ipnaz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Motorhead. Motorhead coming from the source rather than Venom. Uh, and you'd probably also throw in, yeah, like, let's say you throw in a bunch of shit that's just, you know, <laughs> Iron Maiden belongs in this line, even though it's not a punk band, right? Well, it's but the first couple albums are clearly, are clearly, like, drawing from early kind of street punk in the UK, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, you know, so you'd include... It would be, in some sense, some of this punk would have this more melodic kind of oi or new wave of British heavy metal quality to it that, say, cool guys in punk have often held at arm's length, right? Yeah. And, you know, like, I don't know that... And there's tons of really crushing music from the canonical hardcore thing that Impnaz might not have been interested in, right? Like, yeah, were yeah. they listening to to Bastard from Japan or were they listening to fucking uh, Crude SS from Sweden? Probably not. Maybe Crude SS just... I was about to say, Crude, Crude SS, maybe, yeah. Well, I Crude, think, and because of how intensely metal they are, yeah. right? But, well, you've, um, you've also got a, you've got another sample here from some guys called Broken Bones. What's the deal there? Yeah, so let me draw this together, then. Okay. Uh, Broken Bones was the band started by Bones, guitarist of Discharge, after Discharge went belly up. Basically, what happened was, for some reason, people in Discharge, including, I think, the vocalist thought it'd be a great idea to turn Discharge into a shitty hair metal band. Um, I'm not even kidding. Like, they wanted a record contract. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they were listening to Jism, and there was some sort of awful game of telephone, where they were like, hey, we could do that, but make it, like, commercially accessible. Um, And, yeah, it just became awful, because Cal couldn't sing to save his fucking life. Um, (laughs) And uh, he just kind of yelps. And and so they... uh, so Discharge ends ignominiously, but the guitarist, Bones, keeps up this heavy metal thing, and he starts Broken Bones, who are this kind of forgotten band, but I think who were really influential on precisely the group of people who started, uh, I think, on some of the U.S. crossover bands, and really influential on the black metal scene. Fenris, right? The Dark yeah. Throne releases an album called F.O.A.D., yeah, Fuck Out yeah, and yeah. Die. What are they referencing but the album F.O.A.D. by Broken Bones from 1987? So let's start at the beginning of the record with the sickest song on it that nothing ever matches. (laughs) (laughs) F.O.A.D. Let's try it out. Fuck off! 
so yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely get kind of the energy that you're you're suggesting there. Um, but then I guess it's it all kind of comes down to it's like, man, we're Impnaz just they they strike me as like kind of like you were saying it's like they like punk but they don't like punks and they were like mm-hmm. I get the sense that the guys in Impaled Nazarene were like. Yeah, Gigi Allen's cool because he fights people and throws shit at people. I just wish he played faster, you know? <laughs> oh, sure. No, I would for sure throw Gigi Allen in that list, right? Gigi Allen has the same kind of tonality in it. Oh, right? definitely. Oh, like, and uh, for full disclosure, like I, do di- ha- I do have a Gigi Allen tattoo, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little biased. Yeah, bite it. Bite it, you scum! Has the same kind of that's basically the same kind of melodic yeah. idea. Um, and you know, as with FOAD, you can hear um, on the on the sample already. You could hear, as you said uh, when we were listening to it, you lo- really like the active lead work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's this kind of maideny, shreddy guitar that is clearly. When Impaled Nazarene is dressing up those bouncy sort of uh, bouncy kind of epic punk riffs, they're doing uh, they're using trem in exactly the same way that uh, Bones is using kind of Iron Maiden stuff to dress up this. Definitely, I, I definitely get. It. I mean, there's this whole lineage of like punk and NWO BHM, which is very important to Impaled Nazarene, but. We should probably mm-hmm. we should probably do another sample. <laughs> oh yeah, well in a sense in a sense we started at the end, right? Yeah, uh... that's true. That's true. But I do want to get into um, some of the other stuff because I think that a lot yeah. of the shit I've heard on this record is ultra formative to modern styles of Finnish black metal. Yes, and, yes, yeah. So we can get into that. But I think you got uh, you've got another like punky one off this one, right? Well, it's not really. I'm not sure the word I'd use is punky, but we could just go there first. It's as far as so. I think we would agree. We were talking. This fits in. This whole pairing of Impaled Nazarene and Carpathian Forest fits in very well with what we did last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, with, uh, Hades uh, and with Mayhem, where there are these kinds of punky, all in different ways, in touch with. It's like. A whole cluster of bands in the late 90s that are not the uh, thin sunglasses emperor prog wank bands of the world yeah. move black metal back towards punk in a bunch of different ways and yeah, surprising yeah. ways. And uh, and this fits in really well with that. And just like the Hades, it's incredibly ahead of... The, the Impaled Nazarene is incredibly ahead of its... Just like Hades within the realm of the dying sun, or well, sorry, I, that's still the dead can dance one. I always <laughs> fuck it up. Uh, the dawn um, of a dying sun. Just like the dawn of a dawn of a dying sun. Yeah, just like the dawn of a dying sun. Uh, this is incredibly ahead of its time in a lot of ways and doesn't get referenced. So one thing it's really ahead of before we get to the Finnish black metal influence is Panzer Division Marduk. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's listen to. Um, uh, yeah, this is off Steel Vagina, uh, right? Yeah. Steel Vagina. Yeah. So. <laughs> Alright. So let's listen to uh let's listen to a bit of Steel Vagina. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's so like hilariously aggressive i love it yeah i mean yeah so um we were talking the leads there really got me oh yeah it's, yeah um yeah. and and it's like pans on there will be this those kind of swarming leads do you think they've intentionally moved them out of phase or they've just were he was really drunk when he did the second try honestly for impnaz i would assume they were just really drunk and they didn't give a shit you know (laughs) but it produces a really cool sound right it's kind of like swarming and disorienting yeah yeah it's Mm. it and it it has like a lot of impnaz's stuff is like compared to what's being played what you hear out of the speakers has such an outsized aggression and extremity to it Mm -hmm. like we couldn't Mm -hmm. recreate it on guitar just like hanging out at home it wouldn't sound the same you know they've got this like retard energy to them that makes it Mm -hmm. so spectacular (laughs) well and one reason it's hard to listen to and i think one thing that people could you know, black metal used to... I mean, this is a hobby horse we've been riding for a while, and I think we'll keep riding it, because it's basically a challenge to some of the more... Uh, some bands on in the modern underground... In the U.S. especially, but in the modern internet underground everywhere, who kind of yeah. have this uh, obsessive focus on style or the aspects of black metal that are um, not the primary ones. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing black metal should be is really loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's... Um, and this is absurdly loud to the point where it's diff- this is pretty close to brickwalled production, right? Yeah, like in a way that for the era. Is, yeah, yeah, in a way that's very different from kind of organic black metal production. So mm-hmm. you know, I get why people might not like that, and it's part of what makes it so difficult to listen to. But it's fucking sick, yeah, right? It um, definitely is. And so, and so that really pioneers that kind of blasting there, right? That's not really how any of the major Norse bands or Swedish bands blast exactly. It's kind of like some of the dumber ideas from Dawn. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really, that's kind of become that kind of biting, melodic, minor kind of snaky stuff. Yeah, actually, for really influential. For like a modern example, that's very similar to like what Goat Penis does a lot of the time, and they're more melodic ideas. Yeah. And Panzer Division Marduk would have been one of the formative things for that. So mm-hmm. this is, that's become a kind of standard in the riffier war metal or in certain things that aspire to sound second wave and satanic. Mm-hmm. The default power chord style isn't really Emperor or Mayhem or Marduk or Dark Throne. It's like this. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we could play a Marduk sample, but I think we've done enough cool samples for now. Dude, everyone knows how that sounds, right? Yeah, yeah they, everybody knows how it is. So Yeah, so lots of sawing power chords, and then these moments that are broken with these very simple but extremely sort of high-energy uh, kind of black speed metal leads, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah. let's, uh, let's kind of get to the other side of this record, which is... Yes. 
more you know, outside of the punk influence, which is you know fascinating and weird on its own. How going back listening to this years after I last heard it, this feels so like prescient and predictive of movements in Finnish black metal or kind of melodic black metal as a whole, because I think there's ideas on here that would not be revisited until like 10 years later when some of the big Finnish yes. black metal bands really got under operation. So there's a classic song on this uh, on this record. It's called Blood is Thicker Than Water. I just want to listen to the opening minute and a half of that, and we'll talk about... Imagine, this is 1994, imagine how fucking predictive this is of things that wouldn't be explored Uh until 10 or 15 years later. So let's try this out. So, like, in an album sort of as dumb as this, which we say lovingly because dumb music is some of the best music, is that not absurdly sophisticated for 1994? Well, and not just sophisticated, because, I mean, there were people doing things musically way more sophisticated than that, but, like, ahead of its time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean... The whole Finnish black metal style, right, is that we associate with Satanic Warmaster, Sargeist, um, uh, Goat Moon, uh, as some of the, those are the three big ones, really, right? But um, this is really predictive of that, and especially, oh, Horna, I guess, really predictive, especially of the more kind of pagan or heathen side of Finnish black metal. I think that's super Um, predictive of Horna. I think that. Like, mm-hmm. just listening to that, it was like, oh my god, this is where it comes from, you know? Oh, actually, yeah, that's... Horna would make it a little more melancholy, but I can totally hear that, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what, what it also is... on Horna... What it also yep. is, though, is... Um, so, at this point, they would have heard the Somber Lane by Dissection, because that was 93. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. But this is still before Storm of the Lights Bane, or uh, Where Dead Angels mm-hmm. Lie... And I think that isn't this, uh, I mean, obviously I haven't listened to Dissection forever. Isn't this really similar to like the, the kind of like slow breakdown passage on Where Dead Angels Lie? Minus all of the annoying Metallicaisms, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it is. And we talked about that with Hades too, where Hades um, uh, sung something song for a 
whatever evil empress or whatever. Yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. A, it's a, it's kind of a. Sp- it <laughs> you couldn't really tell it from the song, but it seems to aspire to be a ballad. And yeah, yeah. It yeah. also has this kind of. Um, That's where we're talking about, like the, the cradle of filth idea, alongside. Yeah, that. and we also gathered that you know Hades, we guess, probably didn't listen to dissection, and my guess would be that Impaled Nazarene probably didn't either, right? Um, or if they did, they, if they, they did, they, they, they did were committed secret. to not liking it. <laughs> yes, they were committed to not liking it. Um, and both of those, right? Hades kind of had their sound. Long before Storm of the Lights Bane, although it becomes yeah. more melodic later. So these are both kind of related to that Where Dead Angels Lie song, but they're way more predictive for the kind of simple but very grandiose and epic uh, corded pagan sounds that come later. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. I mean, I, I think there's there's moments you can take off this record fucking probably off every song that it's like you can see how it it spikes into a certain dimension of the finish scene and nowadays Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the finish scene is so important in terms of guitar technique to black metal as a whole yes like i'm wondering if it's i mean is it a reach to say that maybe impnaz has this secret outsized influence given they were doing this sort of thing so early compared to everyone else in finland oh absolutely i think yeah i mean this is a big uh I think this is breaking news, man. Either it's an open secret that nobody ever let us in on, or it's big news. Because um, this is like, uh, yeah, I mean, this is very... This is so contemporary sounding. It's, it's you know, what the Finns do, I think I've said on, on a different episode, what the Finns do is kind of budget epic. Right, they distill a certain kind of um, an effect that bands like Emperor would get from having, you know, a keyboardist, right, and two yeah. guitarists, or effects that um, Sacramentum or Dawn would get from being uh, doing this kind of high octane two guitarist stuff often, right? Yeah. Or and would do in these kinds of elaborate manners, or Gorgoroth even early Gorgoroth has the beginnings of that kind of budget epic style. But even so, right, Infernus is a virtuoso guitarist. Yeah. This sort of combination of punk simple, punk directness and economy with um, this aim at sort of uh, something that sounds ancient, medieval, pagan, sweeping, or epic is really unique to the Finns, and God, it's got to be here. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, the, the stories always go that the Finns fucking, like, hated the Swedes and the Norwegians and vice versa, but mm-hmm. it's... it's well, so, Impaled Nazarene specifically are the center of that story. Uh, as well as Beharit, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like they would make crank calls to eyes on them. <laughs> yeah. so. which, is, which is awesome. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like... But uh, but clearly, just listening to this, they were taking influence and they were listening to all the guys in Norway and Sweden, and they were constructing oh, yeah. something uniquely Finnish out of it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's yeah. They did their original black grind stuff, and then they keep the high energy, and then they say, "How can we respond to what the Norse are doing in a way that's kind of parallel to it?" Yeah, and you know what else reminded me a lot of is Greek stuff. I can see. I that. don't really yeah. have. In the same way that the Greeks were like, 
okay, we get this idea. This music's supposed to be absurdly raw and aggressive, but also sound kind of like ancient, you know, uh, ancient warrior music. Mm -hmm. um, we can do that with Grindcore and Iron Maiden. Right? <laughs> and it's... Uh, um, and, and so, yeah, I think, I think this is doing... Uh, this ended up being more generative than the, the, for, than the Greek scene. This is not as siloed as the Greek scene ended up yeah, being, I yeah. think. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's do another sample in that vein. I mean, I think if that gives you an example of the kind of uh, slow, emotional horn parts or the kind of uh, rock ballad moments on a Goat Moon track, yeah. here is... Uh, Here's an example of the blasting finish style. And here I've got a question for uh, the death metal guy, which is, didn't we just hear someone rip off specifically this riff? I, I thought the same thing, so let's give it a listen and try to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. All right. That's like all the riffs we like, right? That's all the riffs we like, and it's like, dude, that it, that is a like the second riff in there that we vary mm -hmm. later on. That sample. Da, 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 da. That's a Sargeist riff in '94. I don't think there was anyone doing that shit that early. No, uh, yeah, Sargeist, yeah, Sargeist, or um, you know, the other place where you get things like that is very early uh, Satanic Warmasters, so Strength and Honor, where it's got these kinds of simple, very simple, but very epic riffs. Um, uh, also, a Senor Valand riff, um, kind of, you know, to, sounds to more To a finished. degree, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be like, the an way they, it would be an interrupter riff for Senor Valand. Yeah, sure, sure, it's a basic building block for that style. Um, and, uh, and then the thing, yeah, no, this is clear. I think this has got to be the earliest version of it. And, you know, I think as far as that, you know, two string kind of thing, 
Uh, although they add third strings at times, I think, in ways that make it cool. Yeah. Uh, but as far as that style, yeah, no, I mean, Treldom was doing something like that, but in 95, and, you know, not in the same kind of, in a more understated way, I think. Um, uh, well, yeah, it's just, it, like, and it's, the, I mean, I, I think we might have seized on something here. It's like, maybe this is, like, a really fucking important record for black metal, and people just don't realize it, you know? I think it is. I mean, because I think I think probably my guess would be in the early 2000s when people talked about Finnish black metal, it'd be like, well, of course it's influenced by Impaled Nazarene. Yeah. Right? But then there's and now this that, whole and, descending set of ideas from that. Yeah. You know, that have now become foundational to just modern black metal as a whole. And Impaled Nazarene themselves have been relegated to the realm of uncool trench wave, right? <laughs> Dude, trench it's, wave. We're making that a fucking thing, all right? It's trench wave. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Late um, 90s black metal is trench wave. <laughs> yeah. Impaled Nazarene themselves are way too OTT and aggro for the hipsters and also too sort of... um. <laughs> Well, too OTT and aggro for the people who've sort of gotten really into the Finnish and French styles, right? Yeah, they're too, they're, um, they're too dorky and without irony for those people, you know? Well, yeah, without irony and just sort of a different kind of... Um, Impaled Nazarene has a kind of immediately threatening working class masculinity. Right. Yeah, it does. It's uh, it's, it's um, um, it drinks too much for the people who listen to Dungeon Synth, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just um, it's not. There's nothing kind of um. Well, there's a similar vibe, even in you know. Well, there's a similar vibe in a lot of Finnish stuff or some French stuff or whatever. There's uh, the energy here is there's no kind of cool aesthetic that can be gleaned from it. <laughs> This is just, um... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it is very a, a sort of, a, you know, workman's thing where these are, in a sense, riff slideshows. I mean, these are barely fucking songs. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it just... It, it, it lacks so much of the sort of ornate quality of Norwegian and Swedish stuff. But I think that becomes mm-hmm. sort of a, a defining feature of the Finnish style. Was... Yeah, yeah. I love the, I mean, also a thing that you you noticed, I love the sort of chromatic slot. They do a second variation on that riff, right? Mm-hmm. That A, A, A prime, or the B, B prime variation on the da, 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 da. The second time they go in it, da, 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 And that sort of slide up suddenly gives it this really te- aggressive energy that's like a Panzer Division Marduk riff or something. Yeah, yeah. Or a Nidin riff. Definitely. Um, Suddenly, it keeps the heroic feel, but suddenly it's much more, um, uh, much more steely. Um, yeah. And the a regular uh, Finnish steel storm, if you would. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Well, yes. Now you have to go back and listen to Goat Moon because I think this is fundamental for Finnish steel storm. Um, I got gotcha. you. And uh, and that kind of really ballsy version of. The willingness to mix up the sort of total big payoff epic riff with this kind of ballsy variation on it, you don't hear that in a lot of the bands, um, in a lot of the bands influenced by this now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's um. So there's you know there's understated sophistication throughout all of it. They just have yeah, no interest in. Yeah. 
it's epitome of stupid smart. It definitely is. So, with that, uh, everybody, dust off your old copies of uh, Suomi Finland Pakele and uh, really uh, listen. Don't ask your mom where your trench coat is. Uh, yeah, uh, download uh, some download some uh, some uh, homemade Doom maps of your local high school and shit, and uh, just enjoy yourself. Some extremely <laughs> low res pornography. Oh um, man, like 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 jerk yourself off and like while the tit slowly scrolls into focus on your fifty six K just <laughs> not <laughs> just as soon as the nipple becomes visible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just hit the coom button. So Alright. <laughs> we'll take a brief break. And as far as hitting the coom button, we're gonna get into one of the earliest instances of S and M obsessed. Coom oriented black metal. Coom yeah. of Coomer yeah. black metal. Alright, we'll be right back. Yeah. Alright, so we are back after a quick break. Um fucking Carpathian Forest. And I know if you're listening to this, this is the first time you've thought of that band in 10 years. <laughs> Don't turn it off. We're going to say some things about it. You'll like it because you'll like us. Um, uh... <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Like, we talked a little bit about this shit, uh, about first getting into metal. So, for me, I was like three, two or three years ahead of you, I think. And uh, for me... Uh-huh. Early on, I was just like downloading stuff off like Kazaa and shit, you know. So when you were like, are you? Would you say like 2004 or something? I mean, that's when I got. I mean, the very first stuff I started doing was like in 2002 when I was like 12. Um, but I would say it really kicked in in high school. Yeah, like 2004. Okay, yeah. So I guess at about that time, I would have been listening to uh, like more. Hardcore. I, I would have. I would have been listening to some stuff that sounded like metal, but was hardcore, or at least yeah. moving in that direction. But like, I, I think I was basically just discovering real hardcore yeah. too at that time. But basically, I was like listening to punky stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say even like when you start getting into. I mean, you mentioned hearing the name and everything, but honestly, I, I feel like the the moment where people would actually talk about Carpathian Forest was probably like. As I was getting into it, like, 02 to 04. And then it disappeared mm-hmm, rapidly mm-hmm. after that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, most people didn't like Carpathian Forest. I remember that. Which is interesting because they've always just, like, stuck around like a like a horrible boil on the black metal scene, you know? <laughs> they've, they've managed yeah, to, like, very ugly, leather-clad boil. Well, that's... So, so I've never actually listened to a full Carpathian Forest album because I've heard songs and it's just not my fucking thing. And uh, we listened to this and it, it mostly sucks. We'll, we'll be open about yep. that. But it's both better and worse than I expected because I think this is one of the earliest attempts to very consciously construct a sort of black and roll record. Um which isn't something that would really come into prominence until, like, the mid-2000s. There were people, like, sort of accidentally running into that idea, but this is Mm -hmm. calculated. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's, um... Yeah, and like I said, I think, earlier in the show, it's a strange mess of kind of, like, these black... things that would become black and roll riffs... And this kind of um, gothiness that, on the one hand, draws from real goth, 
like they do a cover of a forest at the end. Yeah. Which is a cure song. A good cure song. An awful cover of Good Cure Song. And on the other <laughs> hand, it reminds you why the word goth was a dirty word for a decade or two. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. like, it reminds you of everything that was bad about the 90s goth scene. Um, and so what what sample should we lead with here? Because I've got some very specific kinds of samples. Maybe we should lead with... Well, uh, some, so, you know, I've got... Yeah, well, let's just go with my first one. Yeah, um, so <laughs> there's this is a surprisingly varied record. They mostly don't <laughs> stick the landing, but there's a lot of gestures towards ideas that would be expanded upon better by other bands. <laughs> so let's listen to a little clip off uh, In Silence I Observe, and we can kind of like launch off that. So honestly, that's not terrible. <laughs> like, there's there's a real idea the, in there. The note choice in the um, the note choice in the arpeggio is interesting. Yeah, it's it's not very really... like it's very ugly and weird in a way that most black metal bands trading in this sort of thing wouldn't approach. Yeah. And it's not, but it's like a nuanced ugliness, right? It's not like the kind of typical, uh, you know, typical black and roll ugliness, right? Is kind of like, let's take a few kind of riffs from Mayhem and Hellhammer and whatever, and just this kind of dissonant power chord ugliness, right? It's different from that. Yeah, it's more measured. It's got it's kind of, it's an ugly, It's yeah, it's an ugly melodic idea, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. So there, I obviously there a lot of stuff on this record. They are gesturing towards early goth ideas, and occasionally they kind of pull it off. Like the uh, like the Cure cover at the end is no coincidence. I think they were actually listening to the Cure, and I think they were oh, yeah, actually yeah. listening to a lot of goth and post punk. Don't fucking shout about the term, whatever, you know what I mean. I'm not, no, 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 that's fine. I don't um, care about that as much as I used to. So, uh, but yeah, definitely, like, they're kind of pulling it off with those keyboards, and that weird, like, sort of dissonant arpeggio gives it sort of a depth that you wouldn't hear from a lot of black and roll, or these kind of, like, goth rock meets black metal sort of adjacent things. And there's... I think you... I think you got that right. I think you're right. That is a moment of authentic, or the ugly, the melodic ugliness there is very, um, 
well, we talked on, um, we did a lot on our section on Mayhem and Grand Declaration of War. Yeah, the yeah. killing joke turns out to be a really significant influence for all these kinds of more mid-tempo explorations and more kind of strange courting explorations yeah. in later 90s black metal. And so uh, that is, could be kind of a killing joke thing. Also yeah, as far be. as yeah. kind of considered ugliness, definitely the birthday party. Yeah, um, well, I, and uh, so everyone knows, this is 98. And the kind so. of bluesiness, there's a bluesy undertone there, which is very birthday party. Yeah, definitely. I get that. So I, I think there's probably a a really good album to be made out of like kind of variations on this idea. And I wrote that mm-hmm. and then I thought, yeah, there is. It's called The Haunting by Seer Bliss. So we probably don't oh, yeah. need this record. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of these same sort of like... Um, because a lot of Sierra Bliss is very beautiful, right? It's very beautiful, but at the same time, a lot of these sort of, like, the Cure or Bauhaus moments are definitely in mm-hmm. Seer Bliss. They might be doing it more, like, prettily, but at the same time, like, structurally, yeah. we're looking at very similar ideas. They just pull them off way better, so... <laughs> Yeah, the the cure tends to. There are some dissonant moments in early Cure. I think the part they're they're pulling from from the cure with like a forest is more melodic. But there are definitely some weird. There are definitely some like. If you listen to like um, what is it? Faith by the Cure or some of the tracks on pornography. Maybe you're definitely going to hear much uglier stuff than yeah, you'd yeah. expect, judging by their later stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's um it, it's I gotta say it's like. <laughs> It, this is a record that sucks, but not for the reasons that we don't review records on the show. You know, it's like there yeah. is a certain level of ambition to this music and there's interesting ideas dotted all over the record. They're just mostly executed badly. Uh, I mean, we, 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 we would probably argue that black and roll as a whole is a bad idea. But <laughs> yes. Well, it's kind of like, you know, it's an interesting idea of, like, this is kind of a touchstone or a focal point for a bunch of different trends that I think we think were happening irrespective of this record, Mm -hmm. but were, or were on their way to happening irrespective. It's kind of like this is a good, uh, it's a sort of symptom of a number of things that were occurring. (laughs) And so it's useful to look at it as a place where these different trends come together. I get what you mean. It's, I guess it's related to this broader trend of mid-tempo stuff, but I hear how it's very specifically is... Maybe that's unfair, because it really is the beginning of black and roll, as bad of an idea as that is. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think this might you, be the first record that I've heard, like the earliest record that is doing it very deliberately, you know? And so let's trace a, route, a path for that. So... Uh, the funny... We talked on the last episode with Hades about how... Number one, Hades anticipates a lot of this kind of, uh, you know, uh, grandy sort of uh, p- secretly punky but very grandiose pagan black metal that's big now. Yeah. But another thing they have, and one place that's coming from, is a huge influence from bl- Bloodfire Death. Yeah. Right? Which drops out of the picture for the more canonical second wave bands. But, like, mm-hmm. Hades makes a whole sound out of Bloodfire, Death, Era, Bathory. Plus. Oh, yeah, there's there's a so, lot of Hades on this record, actually, I think. Like, yeah. very and, and directly lot, from Hades. Yes, a lot very directly from Hades and a lot very directly from Bathory. 
like they're kind of I think he's hearing Bloodfire Death through Hades. Um, yeah. And you know how and you know how on the last record uh, on the last um last show we talked about that one song for all those who died yeah. on Bloodfire Death. So all over this record is the blood for all those who died riff. <laughs> and I'm starting to realize that this is like his version of playing of default playing the in the shadow of the horns riff. Yeah. But like nobody in the 90s, not even this guy would think of doing that because it was fucking Dark Thrones riff, right? Yeah. <laughs> um so I've got three sam I got two samples here of the uh in the shadow of the or sorry, of the uh for all those who died riff, <laughs> which is all over the place. And then one that gets more specifically at the Hades thing, which is you know, yeah. So let's start with this bit from The Swordsman. All right. Uh, if you haven't heard, if you want to hear us talk about For All Those Who Died in Hades, listen to the last episode. You're already a patron, so you can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. So The Swordsman, let's do it. Uh, Yeah, that's that's definitely that riff. But uh, mm-hmm. also, it's worthy of note that the Swordsman actually features the single best like actual black metal riff on the record towards the end. It's like this beautiful like fucking over tremolo riff that comes out of nowhere. And it's oh, like, do you want to play it real quick? Because I was just thinking as I listened to that, is there a single good riff on this record? You know yeah, what I mean? No, no, the end of the Swordsman has a truly excellent riff that comes out of nowhere. Let me let me yeah. find a timestamp real quick. there's an example of a song that's driven by an idea that is a good one let's mm-hmm. have a song with a cool title called the swordsman where we start out with this kind of battering combat riff and then by the end we get to this epic kind of um spiritual release or whatever right yeah and it's like the end is pulled off and if yeah, that's great. And that kind of has that same quality in Impaled Nazarene, where it's like a lot of effect for very little um, 
uh, very little sort of technical whatever. Yeah. Right? I, I, I'm guessing that that's probably like a leftover riff from like their first EP days, like through Chasm mm-hmm. Caves and Titan Woods. Uh, because there was a lot more of that kind of stuff, which is very like, I describe it as very like early Oliver, like a little bit Bergtop mm-hmm. in a way. So. Well, it's, it's much more consonant than a lot of the other Norwegian stuff is, but it still yeah. sounds Norwegian. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, so that's really nice. And so if the track ended there and the riff that dominated the track was a good one, yeah, <laughs> you know, that would be a good track. But unfortunately, it's just a shittier version of For All Those Who Died. Now, oh, no, they, they don't know slight, how, they don't know how to fucking write songs. It's weird. No. Like it's it, here's a slightly better version. Here's a better version of the for all those who have died who, who died riff, which again <laughs> would be excusable if it weren't already all over here. All right, <laughs> already. Um, so this is in sadomasochistic. Oh boy, fucking <laughs> radical, man. <laughs> um, all right. Yep, there it is, right? Yeah, half the album is based off that fucking idea, man. <laughs> and I think, yeah, so I think, and if you add a couple more ideas, I think one reason this has aged so badly is that the whole damn record is shameless plagiarism, incompetently executed of a handful of riffs from Bloodfire Death. Well, I mean, um, I, I, it, to play devil's advocate... Mm-hmm. Like, because obviously I don't fucking like this record, but I think that it's a little bit more honest. And I would just say that based on, like, kind of the trajectory of the band. So Carpathian Forest actually begins in, like, 1990 or some shit. They just can't really get their shit together. By the time they... <laughs> yeah, no. By the time they do, they release their first EP, like, their first, like, real release. That's 95. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. second wave has passed them by. So I see yeah. I see this record as them like desperately grasping for fuck, what do we do now? Like what's because mm-hmm. through Chasm Caves and Titan Woods, we talked about that the other day. That's actually a really good EP. It's like really mm-hmm. actually cool, kind of forgotten Norwegian naturey black metal. Yeah, we'll have to listen to that one sometime because yeah, I, should, I yeah. heard a little bit of it that my friend was playing, but uh, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" But yeah, and nobody remembers it. But mm-hmm. so I think that what you're seeing here isn't, you know, I'm not. This is not a cynical album. I don't want to suggest that to people. It's it's oh, not. I, it's yeah. It's not coming from a position of like, how do we fucking exploit the scene? It's guys who are no, passionate I, about figuring it out. You know. I think, no, no, I think you're right. I think that's, um, I think I was being maybe a little too uncharitable just for drama. Um, but, um, and, and that, that is the emotional reaction I had to it as I heard it. But I don't think they were being cynical. I think there is a wisdom in, I mean, 
Hades did this well, right? There is a wisdom in making yourself stand apart from the pack by returning to a somewhat neglected origin point and getting something new out of it, right? Yeah. And Hades does that really well, where it's like, well, obviously all these guys take the influence of Bathory for granted, but what if we go back and really listen to certain parts of Bathory that they're not drawing from, right? Yeah. And this is doing it in a similar way. I get the impulse. I get why after the second wave it happened, there might be even... You know, because Hades were kind of more in the second wave in some way, even though their stuff came out later. But yeah, yeah. I get why if you're doing this late in the 90s, you would think, hey, nobody really talks about Bathory anymore. Let's do that, right? Yeah. Um, I get that. So it really comes in the riffing execution. Um, here's an example of them drawing more specifically from Hades. And what I think is the best... Would you agree that Death Triumphant is the best song on here? Uh, I would actually say it's probably the last song, The Northern Hemisphere, but it, Death Triumphant's a good one. Yeah, so basically I think we both like the more lush and atmospheric ones, right? Definitely, but Death yeah. Triumphant also has some really good, stupid, uh, driving, ugly riffs later in the song. Um, uh, but here we're getting what's just, a you know, almost a Hades quote, but I think it's recontextualized enough that it is honest and sounds good. Right. So, let's check mm. it out. Yeah. Yeah, so there that that's that's clearly Hades, like that's sort of undeniably Hades right there. Yeah, and you know, I think if they get yeah, the whole sort of yeah, for the listeners as a reminder, it's that kind of a dumb dumb it's that sort of dumb 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 dumb. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that that Conan the Barbarian shit. And yeah, yeah, that little pickup on the first, uh, the syncopated pickup on the first thing, and like the, uh, and just the whole idea, right? It's got this kind of textural arpeggiated guitar, and then the synths, and then the synths fill in. I, I like that the two things they do that are slightly different is the guitar line is a little more like a metal riff rather than a folk riff, yeah. which I think sounds good here and sets it apart. And then the keys come in just doubling it, which is one of those sort of dumb, simple, good ideas, right? Mm -hmm. when, when they sort of, yeah. But yeah, so that to me is a strong part on this record. Um, and the end of it also has their own, their best sort of mid-tempo stomp riff, which we don't need to play, but it just has this bizarre cranking slide in it, which is the kind of thing you know I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so yeah, that's, that's cool. And a way of using that kind of Bathory, Bathorian stomp in a new way. Yeah. So my my last sample is, uh, I think one of the 
one of the things that suggests a legacy for Carpathian Forest that they could have gripped onto if they had kind mm-hmm. of like seized this moment and structured their music around these sorts of ideas, um, mm-hmm. they probably could have been more. So this is off mm-hmm. the uh, the last track on the record before the the closing cure cover. This is off the Northern mm-hmm. Hemisphere. Let's listen to this because it really struck me as like, oh, this band could have fucking been something. So <laughs> let's, yeah, all let's, right, let's try it out. It's sort of like, I mean, what was cool there was the way that it, uh, you've got this, the beginning, you can hear the Hades throughout it, kind of, but none of it sounds like Hades, and at the beginning you've just got this, the biggest, blockiest power chord aspect (laughs) playing off against the keys, and playing, again, something that sounds much more like a metal riff than Hades. And yeah. right, and it's, it's this kind of battering, kind of ugly second wave riff in slow motion. And then the way that just set, perfectly sets up the release with the keys. Mm-hmm. And then you just get a fucking solid minute or more of this gorgeous part. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, so I was thinking, you know, when I heard this and when I heard stuff like the end of the, the Swordsman... Um, mm-hmm. It's like there's a a version of this band in a a parallel dimension who basically became like the Norwegian Ice Reagan, a band that we briefly talked about a few times. <laughs> yeah, where where they became the Norwegian version of Ice Reagan where it's like it's kind of goth and it's kind of folk and it's kind of black metal and it's kind of heavy metal meets rock. And they they synthesize those ideas really well into something that's sort of like vaguely pagan and kind of gothy mm-hmm. at the same time and really catchy mm-hmm. and just like immediate throughout. And you can hear those glimpses of that sort of idea throughout this yeah. record. Yeah. And, and this would just have more compositional depth than ice Reagan, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. Ice. this is like, you know, this would have some kind of, um, uh, for those who we, we mentioned it before ice Reagan, I guess is this kind of, um, <laughs> sort of goth black oi Rammstein band. Yeah. And it's it's hard they're pretty Carpe- singular, you know? 
Yeah, and given that this guy actually can write these really cool kind of um, metal riffs and sort of uh, uh, gothic synth pads or whatever, soaring synths, it could have a lot more of the kind of um, Rammstein levels of really good arranging. Well, yeah, right. when I when I listened to it, I was I thought that this was ripping off uh, "Tearing the Veil from Grace" by Cradle of Filth, but that's off Midian, and that's in two thousand. This is a couple years before, mm-hmm. so uh, like Carpathian Forest were kind of channeling the energy of the best of Hot Topic metal in fits and starts several years before mm-hmm. it would really land, which is just fascinating to me, you know. I think my summary remark about this, and this is linking it to Cradle Filth, actually, yeah. uh, is, like, if you say contrast the opening of this album, or, like, like say the the opening of this album is, like, I don't know, some, like, girls moaning and then kind of screaming and whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, you know the drill. And the, the end is this cover of A Forest by The Cure. Uh, you've, you know, you've got these two different poles of goth culture, right? Mm-hmm. And the beginning is like, I want to be this sort of S&M lout, right? And this yeah. is sort of like, fat guy, black and roll, Knotsfirth. Was that his name? Um, oh, you mean Vrangsen? I can't. Oh, not a Frost. Is, not a Frost. Not a Frost. Yeah, sorry. Knotsfirth is someone in a different band. Uh, not a Frost. Yeah, it's sort of, um, this is, it's the sort of persona he ends up later with this sort of like uh, perverted S&M clown thing. Um, yeah. Which you could make a band around. I mean, Satagua you know, did uh, it. <laughs> Satagua did it in a much more extreme kind of, uh, much less goofy way. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, but um, yeah, you could do something like that. You could do a more fun, industrial or gothy kind of version of that. Um, at on the uh, and you know also in the like sadomasochistic the lyrics are like you like bend down and like can clean my <laughs> boots like uh, I am you for uh, I am rich and you are poor or whatever right it's just that's a totally different goth persona than the sort of like uh, romantic the sort of uh, lunar lover man persona well, yeah, that you these- get with the co- these sort of like delicate romantic meets folk moments are clearly like the best things on this record. And they they stand so far outside because obviously we we don't usually pull a lot of samples of shit that sucks, but the big bulk of the <laughs> the mid third of this album is just shitty black and roll. Like the worst you can imagine. But there's these flickers of like elegance and sort of like softness and beauty, which really suggests that this is a band that could have been something different. And I think that's what is kind yeah. of upsetting about it, you know? <laughs> and that's what's so great about Cradle of Filth, um, as we try to win our Danny Filth sponsorship. Um, <laughs> one of the cool things about Cradle of Filth is that he has a fully realized character that allows him to span everywhere from kind of a more... Uh, a more perverted and aggressive kind of goth vibe to a more sort of wrathful vampiric warrior vibe to a lunar lover man romantic vampire kind oh, of vibe. Man. We, right? we, we've got to do for and, one for a and those are all just a spectrum of continued moods of the same character. Yeah, right? there's a, there's a distinct idea that what he does is like, oh, these are all reflecting the same sort of essence. 
um, as mm-hmm. disparate as they might get. Here, it's like there's on Carpathian Forest. Uh, it, it feels like they're different characters. Like they're entirely it's totally different schizophrenic. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All of Danny Filth's different characters have the other ones in them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. No, yeah. I think. Um, oh man, we gotta do a bonus episode where we just like. We, we make a hard fucking case for Cradle of Filth as canonical, excellent, extreme metal. Why don't we just do... Yeah, so next week I think we're going to do Christian and... Uh, uh, what's the... the what's the other Christian and Vader? Yeah. But maybe yeah, the yeah. week after, once it starts to get a little bit autumnal, maybe we should just do Dusk and her Embrace. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, and believe it, well, I can I can run you down the whole discography. Or <laughs> no, we could just do Dusk. Why, we could do Dusk and Midian. Yeah. Yeah, Dusk and Midian, or, or, yeah, I mean, I could, we could, like, focus around a single album, and then we could kind of, like, talk about other shit and, like, bring it back to it, but, uh, definitely, um, yeah, yeah, so, honestly, all things considered, like, I think I disliked this album more when I was listening to it earlier, now it's just, like, Mm -hmm. I just feel kind of bad for the missed opportunities, because after this, Carpathian Force decided that, what people liked was S&M and shitty rock riffs. So, <laughs> Yeah, and it turns out that the basis, as far as there's any black metal and black and roll, it turns out that the basis for the entire genre is a single Bathory riff. <laughs> it really fucking is. <laughs> and if you want a band that does the black and roll thing well, I've got to say that there are some bangers by embarrassing... I mean, Satyricon have always been posers, but like, there are some bangers on... Uh, you know, Black Crow on a Tombstone, great, great uh, Satyricon song. Uh, oh, yeah, no, Satyricon has always been a, uh, even, like, back in, uh, fuck, what was the, uh, uh, the second record? Was, uh, the Medieval Nancy? Times, or Dark Medieval Times. Dark, no, that was the first yeah. one, uh, but the second yeah, but one, I, that was, uh, that was The Shadow Throne and Nemesis mm-hmm. Divina. Um, those are fucking, like, Cradle of Filth pop records. They're not bad, but, uh, yeah, they're not. Uh, <laughs> they're not no. as good as Cradle of Filth. <laughs> no, not not at all. They're uh, some. Yeah. So okay, I think that brings us to a conclusion. Uh, yeah, my my buddy's here, so we should probably wrap it up. And, all right, uh, cool. So, hey guys, uh, again, thanks for listening. Tell all of your friends to send us their green pieces of paper, so that you can be a part of the. Uh, terminus black circle or uh you know or the terminus community the terminus the greater terminus community you know the yeah that's that's right the the really the important sort of like enlivening aspect of this extreme metal podcast but (laughs) all right guys thanks a lot for listening and uh we will talk to you next week yep peace